0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. The digital revolution is in full swing. We're trying to understand where it's headed, where it's going, what it means, and what we should be doing about all that. One of the favorite guests that we have here on Cloud Wars Live, one of the monthly digital all-stars, is Christian Anschutz, who is a former chief digital officer, chief information officer, Marine Corps captain, entrepreneur, adventurer, general all-around, may I say, Christian, cuddly guy. Welcome back, Christian. Great to have you.
1: Oh, the cuddly came back. The cuddly <laughs> came back. Okay. that's. Uh, I'll, I'll probably get another bunch of emails over that. So uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Good to see you, Bob. Good to be back on Cloud Wars. Thank you.
0: Thank you, sir. Christian, uh, crazy times today, right? And, uh, you know, as always, you are up to uh, interesting things. And I know just as we were chatting, you had a, a couple of different thoughts. They may have some interconnections, but... I thought it was fascinating, right? Uh, we see today so many big organizations trying to say, oh, we have to, we have to adopt a customer-first culture. We have to adopt you know, uh, a culture that employs value. We can't be part of this great resignation, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and it sounds like you've got some thoughts on a little introspection about the, the great resignation maybe should trigger some great introspection. And then you were working with a pretty big organization yourself on some of the culture stuff. So what do you think's going on today? Well, yeah. uh, well let, let's start with
1: you know, sort of the obvious and the very, very basics that uh, we seem to forget. I mean, these things get, they're blindingly obvious to us on the outside and we'll even acknowledge it. But when we're in the four walls of whatever our construct is, we, we get lost and we, we forget simple things. Like it's, it's not what we say, it's what we do. I mean, how many different times have we seen the, you know, the, this is what our culture is and this is what we believe and whatnot, but how we act is an entirely different thing. Yeah. And, you know, in the case of, uh, uh, you know, employees and whatnot, it, it, you can blame HR, but it's, it's really the overarching culture. It's the hiring managers, it's the leadership, etc., cetera, that, uh, you know, that, that really, uh, is a, uh, a clear and uh, present demonstration of what your values and beliefs are. And so that's kind of important because you keep saying whatever it is you wanna say about yourselves. It's, it's what you do that really matters. This is actually kind of important and timely. Uh, there's so much talk, <clears throat> excuse me. There's so much talk about right now, the great resignation. And you know, there's a bunch of you know, companies that I, I get uh, a chance to get exposed to. And uh, they're, I mean, companies are struggling it's in the news, right? Bob, I mean we we, we read it, so it, it's it's it, maybe I have some data points. i think I think it's probably bigger than just my data points, maybe. And uh, what I find interesting is the discussion around the great resignation. From the in companies on the inside looking out, I keep hearing things like well here's here's the reasons why they want to leave. Uh, people want to leave Um, well the you know the competitors are very aggressive and they're enticing them with new programs um a 20 percent raise actually so the salaries are getting kicked up because they're paying more um you know it's it has a lot to do with this work remote work hybrid come to the office and then there's another thing and another thing it's all these things that uh, you know our people are running towards maybe maybe, I, i i think there's a lot of merit in all those points but it's only one half of the coin right the other half of the coin is what are they running from now i am not an expert on leadership i'm an expert student on leadership okay we've we've discussed this in the past good leaders and good organizations are introspective that that should be the very first question these companies are asking themselves and when i ask that question what are they running from the first thing is like oh, there's almost an intake of air. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? What do I mean? You know what? you got the best culture in the world, right? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what's interesting interesting is, you know, salaries could be leveled, right? And you're going to pay 20% to get that other person back. So this is, I mean, first of all, be honest about that, right? Pay people what they're worth, be upfront about it, et cetera. But then that even that simple act belies a fundamental issue. It's about leadership and culture. People will leave an organization, we know this, because it's the devil they know. And they might go directly from one corporate American entity, and thinking just of this market, when I say corporate America, to another one that has exactly the same kind of ills or problems or similar ills and problems. But at least they don't know those. But they know the ones that they're in, and they're tired of them. Companies and leaders have got to be a lot more introspective and say, "What are they running from?" And they got to take accountability for this because it's got a lot more to do with things like culture, leadership, decision rights, which is proxy for empowerment, etc., and career progression. It's it, it's things like that, and then you get to salary, you know, and maybe it does have a lot to do with like work, uh, uh, where you work. But then again, why, why are organizations, even in this fog of war, not being very transparent in the communications of what position they're taking, even if it's a time boxed position in the first place Mm -hmm. anyway that was one of the things that i was thinking and we could spend quite a bit of time on you know those those things that drive uh people away what what are your thoughts you talk to companies all the time you know you must hear something about the great resignation
0: yeah christian it's so funny the uh you 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 ask a, a fairly simple question sometimes and you get that response from people like well, how do you mean that? And you say, well, it's a pretty simple statement. What are they running from, right? We see where they're going. What are they running from? And whether that's a, a, a fear trigger or it's, you know, try to put the defenses up, like, oh, I'll talk about anything but that. But that, that yeah, that's the reaction. What do you mean? What are they running from? It's like they never considered it. And, um, you know, I think there's, there's something in this general category of leadership you know, a fascinating thing to be written about what's going on right here, right now, because you've got that thing on the one side. You've got another thing about, you know, this, this impact of technology and how companies are transforming who they are and what they do and the way they engage with their customers, the way they build things, the way they go to market, all of that. But a lot of them that I talk to, I say, well, what are the corresponding shifts you've made in your organizational structure? And sometimes I get that. Well, what do you mean? It's like, well, if everything changes, then everything changes, but not your organizational structure. You think you can do the same. You can do very new things with the same structure. So I think that the big challenge of leadership today is, uh, you you alluded to the fog of war, uh, our last conversation a little bit ago. So there is that. Everything's shifting and turning and evolving and transforming at the same time. Your customers, your company, your partners, your competitors- the aspirations of those customers. And, you know, how does the leadership in this very odd time set a way for it? How do they then communicate that through the structure of the team so that things move in an optimal way? And when all those things are lacking, Krishna, I think if they're out of phase with where the world is headed, you can have all the slogans, you know, like you said that you want, and people are going to feel like this company doesn't know where it's going. It's It's uneven, and there's, I don't think there's any way the best leader in the world in those sort of situations can convince people we're on the right path because it's clear to the people we don't know what path we're on, or the path we're on is the one that we've always been on, and we're not changing with where the world's headed. So, that the thing about leaders needing to clarify, bring clarity to a situation, uh, I I think is, uh, I think that's the biggest enemy right now of companies being able to go where they need to go and build the sort of cultures they need to build so that this great resignation doesn't hit them nearly as hard as it hit lots, hits lots of other organizations.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're so right. I think this clarity, this, this notion of a, of a radical transparency is, as much as you can and as much as you legally can do, depending on the topical area, I think is absolutely critical. I, I think there's another component and this isn't a very well thought out piece that I'm going into. So as we're exploring this in real time. So, you know, don't kill me in the comments if uh, <laughs> if, I, if I'm not like super crisp on this, please. You know, when, you, when you're analyzing a segment for a business, you're looking at the attributes of the things that they really prefer and you're trying to narrow in on those attributes that are going to make them choose you and your product or service over others. Okay, this is basic... Uh, market analysis, and this is just simply good business. Every company should really understand their customer and their segments in detail. Most don't. That's another podcast, by the way. It's one of the reasons why so many companies struggle. They just deal with the problem of not dealing with change, as you were talking about earlier. Um, For our workforces, it's not that different. In a way, they represent a segment, and they have attributes that they place a lot of value on. Things like, for example, uh, reward and recognition, non-monetary reward and recognition. This idea of empowerment and career paths. There's there's a number of different things. But if we looked it up right now on Google, which we won't do because we're you know in the middle of the conversation, we would find things like salary, you know, fall in you know number four, or five, or six as, a, as an attribute that they prefer. But when they don't get the first ones. Then you know it's kind of like going down a ladder. Okay, well I don't got that one. I I don't I don't have that. I don't have that. I don't have that. Okay, make my decision solely on salary and how you pay me. And so now the twenty percent really matters because the other stuff doesn't exist for them. At least again, value is in the eyes of the beholder. It's like beauty, and it's in the eyes of the beholder. So what does your workforce see? What do they perceive? And how does it, what they see and perceive map up against those things that they value the most? And so I think it's, it's more than radical transparency. I think you've got to breathe almost heart back into our organizations. I mean, we've made it so that we're not loyal to our people anymore. We're not loyal to each other, not really. And then, and then we go, well, a lot of people listening, well, why would I be loyal to a company? There was a day that actually did exist, right? There was, a, and there are cultures and societies, countries where that still is very, very strong. But in the United States, we've just completely eradicated it. HR, I mean, HR is your friend as an employee until that organization doesn't want you anymore. Then they are the ones that you're out, right? I mean, that's how that works. I'm not saying that's wrong, but I mean, it, there's, there's there's really no loyalty uh, uh, from organizations to their workforces, not really, at, at least not in the eyes of many of the beholders. These kind of things could get fixed and address those attributes that mean more to them than just the salary. So somehow I think it's, it's transparency, but it's also you really got to breathe life and heart into those things that they matter the most. I mean, empowerment, I mean, let's talk about it. Empowerment is about decision rights. It's one of the number one things that frustrates people and makes them want to leave. And they manifest, It manifests in themselves in an exit organization like, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm making impact. I'm creating value, right? Oh, my boss doesn't like me. And here it is. I'm not trusted to do my job. If my decision rights are so narrow that I can't, you know, if I want to move one degree to the left to do my job a little bit better because I see something that's interesting and creative, and I think it could bring value, and I'm doing this with great intent, you should be let go to do it. But that's not how these organizations do this anymore. In the pursuit of scale and efficiency, everybody's swim lanes are about as, as wide now as, a, you know, as, as the head of a needle. <laughs> and, and these things frustrate people. And organizations, what do they do to fix it? To your point earlier, they don't actually change anything, but what they do is they do a vestige of change and they say, oh, we did a, a pulse survey and we are now this, here's our new normal, right? And here comes some new placards and whatnot, gives everybody, at least in the internal marketing department a little, you know, warm and fuzzy. They, they, they feel happy about it because of the good message and then attrition continues. I, I think companies are in for a, a rude awakening over these uh, quarters ahead. Because as long as these people have choices, they're going to choose something other than the status quo. And the status quo
0: is what companies love. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, Chris, I remember uh, it was probably 25 years ago, but uh, somebody where I was working at the time wore a T shirt and uh, she, very, very delightful woman. She wore a T shirt that said, the beatings will continue until morale improves. And uh, I, I think that's, you know, sort of that. The mentality some people have, like, well, what do you mean? You know, people are leaving here. He said, you know, we, uh, we, we renamed several departments. We said you can have a bring your dog to work day. We, you know, whatever these other silly things are. But I wonder, Christian, right? You know, the, it, will there be? Uh, because certainly some companies are getting it right. They're, they they're crushing it these days. And what is it about those organizations, and in particular the leaders? that are doing things that have the, uh, that have made those companies destinations where people really wanna go there. And I think Chris in the wild thing is, irrespective of the industry it's in, right? Um, I'm no huge fan one way or the other, you know, of Elon Musk and Tesla, but I thought it was fascinating to see him say the other day, and our mutual friend, Tony Uphoff brought this up. Uh, Elon Musk said, you know, everybody talks about the difference uh, the success, we're having a Tesla is about the software in the cars. He said, that's a big thing. But he said, the real big breakthrough that we're making our real competitive advantage is manufacturing. Right. So manufacturing cool again. Uh, You know, the different sorts of companies, right? It's not just the the glitzy, unicorny type of companies that folks want to go to. Um, I've heard more and more companies like in the pharmaceutical field. uh, Who was it? The The CEO of Snowflake on a recent earnings call said a big pharmaceutical CEO told the CEO of Snowflake, he said, we've been a life sciences company for 50 years. He said, we're all about life sciences, but we're now at a point where data science and data scientists are having more of an impact on human health and well-being than life sciences. I don't know, if, you know, some companies would try to hide that, or do you showcase it? But you know, what do you call it—radical transparency? I think people want to see that. You know, do you have a heart? One, and two. Are you willing to show it? Are you willing to share it? Are you willing to let other people, you know, share theirs by how you treat them?
1: You know, you you, you said a bunch of really great stuff there. Uh, I'm gonna zero in on a word that you used though. You used corny, right? <clears throat> so I'm going to steal something from Simon Sinek, and most of your listeners will have known him. He's just fantastic in so many ways. Um, he says something that I think is very important. He says that, you know, people don't buy what you do as much as why you do it. Now, I, I'm sure I messed up the quote, by the way, but the, the message is the same. Uh, at least I believe it is. Okay, So they buy, don't buy what you do as much as why you do it. That is exactly the opposite of corny. Okay, because what, and I love that you brought up that word. What we see firms, again, let's just be honest about this. This a lot of what firms do is corny and trendy, right? They, they, it's it's corny and trendy. I'm going to spin up this practice to, you know, this, or I'm going to let you have a, bring your, uh, you know, your favorite toad to work or whatever it is. I mean, it, it's, it's it's this corny stuff, right? And that what actually, and what makes it worse is not only is it corny, corny, it's institutionalized corny. Like you couldn't trust your own people to self-organize and go, you know, Hey, we're going to allow our, a a dog within the confines of our, you know, whatever lab or office or whatever on this particular day. No, they, they actually have to go all the way up to the head of HR to get that, you know, permission to do such a thing. Right. And so when the organization does it, it comes out with all these corny tone deaf you know this is how we're solving this ill, this is how we're enabling you to have more fun, this is blah blah blah, but it doesn't change anything. And then the, the, the real thing that people want is is it goes back to these universal truths that we always talk about. They they don't want the corny, they want the substance. It, it seems to me, and and, and again, this is just one person's opinion. It seems to me that's actually one of the biggest problems that we have in our society right now, is that there's there's a lack of substance. Right. So if you're, if you be substantive and be transparent about that, be substantive and explain what your why is. Look, whether you love or hate Tesla, Tesla is a fascinating example on why. Right. So Elon Musk has got a vision not to put an electric car in everybody's uh, driveway so he can have the most valuable uh, automotive manufacturer be the most valuable automotive manufacturer in the world. He hasn't put a car in everybody's driveway, but he is that ladder thing, right? But a big part of that is because his vision is not about the the automobile. It's about changing the patterns for humanity where we get away from fossil fuels to something electric. Change takes time. Yes, I know. I actually own a Tesla in full disclosure. Change takes time and you're still charging uh, coal smoke into the air but not everywhere. And here I actually test uh, charge my Tesla with solar power and only solar power, okay? But these this change is actually a thing that attracts people. But his why is so big that he hasn't stopped there. He doesn't stop with what he's trying to do with the impact of his one company in terms of driving and creating a market and being a market leader. He's actually the pointy tip of the spear of an entire industry and a change across all automotive manufacturers. Let's be honest, if Tesla wasn't pushing this hard, you wouldn't be hearing so much about electric vehicles from other automotive manufacturers, period. And then to really bolster that up, he makes so much of what is most valuable to your point is IP, he makes that free to everybody to help them, help him, help us do something for our environment and our world. People are attracted to that. But then it doesn't still stop there. Because should that fail, his backup plan is to get us off the planet that we weren't able to save in time. I, I, again, I'm, I'm not a, a Elon Musk fanboy. Uh, I, I think he has good qualities and bad qualities. We all do. Uh, but he does have this one part done really, really well. And the combination of his leadership, such that it is, and the type of people that are attracted to that, it's the people that are attracted to that, which is put Tesla where it's at. It's not Elon Musk by himself. It's the amazing women and men attracted to that that are propelling that company and that success story. And it starts with a why. It's not gimmicky. It's not a placard. It's not hacky sack on Friday afternoons at five p.m. <laughs> I, you know, um, it's it's much more substantive.
0: Yeah, yeah. Krishna, I'm going to ask you to give me a moment here. I want to offer a word from our sponsor, BMC. BMC wants to know, is your business on its A-game? It's when systems are intelligent by learning from markets, where automation is paramount yet effortless, and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A-game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A-game. Um, Christian, uh, you know, I want to just come back, you know, one more sort of go around there on the corny thing, right? So, counterpoint to your example about Tesla, you know, he created a sense of purpose, of mission, of heart, of involvement, and having an impact. And on the other end of that spectrum, I think one of the things, the most insidious or dangerous things about the companies doing corny stuff because I think a great company can also do some corny stuff that becomes fun, you know, in a cheap and easy way. But when uh, misguided or lost companies do the corny stuff, they think that it actually is going to make a difference. So they say, "Okay, Chuck, you know, fix the culture, instituted some corn," and they don't realize that the that very very weak and pointless and shallow approach is actually going to worsen the problem. People see that and say, whoa, man, we're more <laughs> more twisted or inauthentic or, uh, you know, just more of a loser sort of company than I thought I'm going to hasten my departure and get the hell out of here now. Uh, and I think they, mis- you know, bad leaders mistake action for uh, you know, progress or improvement, uh, achievement. It's so, it's, but I do think, as you've often said, you know, leadership, the qualities of leadership endure over time, but the challenges that are going to make leaders successful in today's market, I think, are of a, a different nature than they were five years ago, 10 years ago. Not Not totally, but how do companies do all the things you've described here well, as they change how they're structured, as they change what they make, how they make it, who they make it with, how they sell it, and how they engage with people. It's a is a, a fascinating time, and I think it would be uh, so intriguing to find out what are the you know, top two or three qualities that make those go-to companies, successful, attractive, high-growth companies today different, right? You talked about some like in the case of Tesla, but how can every company try, in whatever industry you're in, whatever size you are, be able to latch onto some of those things and make them part of who they are?
1: Well, that's a setup for me, and you don't even know it. So I've been uh, for the last nine months. I've been working on a, of uh, course, as everybody else is, my own book, right? I've this. The difference with this one is I'm, I'm smart. I made the investment with some people that are just simply good writers, and they're taking this content and breathing some life into it. Uh, but that's what it's about, actually. Is what are the steps that you can take to actually kind of rejuvenate and uh, your, your 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 everything from your capability to the uh, the culture to the um, uh, you know to the to the mindset of your your company to essentially future proof it. It's, it's not actually that hard, but these things are blindingly obvious to everybody but us, which is the way it often is. I mean, and, you know, it, and then going back to just, uh, you know, these, these companies and why they're successful or why they're not, I think for all of us, we need to ask ourselves something. I mean, again, good leaders are introspective. Are we really more concerned with looking like we're doing the right thing and doing the hard work, or are we more concerned with actually doing the right thing and the hard work. One of them is much more substantive and the other one leads to gimmicks. As you said, gimmicks are fine, but that's like the frosting on the cake. That's the sizzle to a beautiful steak. Um, just having the sizzle and just having the frosting. Although some people will say, I just love the frosting. I get it. (laughs) Um, You know, but it's, but it's, it's not the same. uh, It's not the same meal. It's not the same dessert. Right. And, uh, and and it's certainly better when you have both aspects of it. So uh, there's, there's a bunch of things that firms can do. There's, there's no doubt about it, but it does again, interestingly, it always starts with people It starts with, you know, what motivates us, what inspires us. I mean, I was teaching one of my uh, classes at, the, at the UNC, uh, uh, a bunch of MBA candidates and someone was talking about a, one of the companies in our um, case studies. And this student said, you know, I, I don't want to sound corny, but I found that really inspirational. And I said, why would you say that? It, we aren't, are we taking so much humanity out of, <laughs> Our work that we even now look at ourselves and say well, there's something wrong with us for saying I was inspired by what this company's trying to do. Yeah. Actually, that's the thing that companies should be striving to have everybody say and be proud of it when they can. And when they're not able to be inspired, they raise their hand and say, "Can I please have more?"
0: Yeah.
1: And this is these are, it's 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 simple things like this and it, that are conceptual, but that require a tremendous amount of hard work in order to uh, answer and fix. And, uh, and that's really what we should be doing. And a little less short-term-itis, a little less trendiness, and a little less, as you said, corniness.
0: Yeah, Chris, and that, uh, you know, there's, I want to offer an example of a, it's one of the world's great companies, They're certainly in the tech business. But um, there is, through a thing I've been working on with them, there's this layer of people that I think they have good intentions, but they wanna know because one of their executives is gonna be involved in a speaking role. And uh, well, you know, what are you gonna ask about? Could you send us a list of questions? You know, what about this? How long will the questions be? You know, what subjects will they be on? Blah, 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 like... And, and you know, in some respects, I get it, but I'm going back to your point about companies more concerned with appearing to be doing the right thing as opposed to doing it. And it isn't the case so much right thing or not with these folks, but I wanted to ask them, I said, What are you afraid of here, right? right. You, you know, do you think the executive at your company isn't going to know how to answer these questions? And, and what if the person is asked a question and has says, Huh, I hadn't thought about exactly that. Well, let me tell you what I think. But this, this striving or somehow this, uh, you know, this desire to have things always packaged, sanitized, safe, uh, prepared for, and I guess in some ways, you know, as I'm talking through this Christian, what I was struck by their, their lack of trust in a leader's ability to be able to blow any of these questions away. Even to say, hey, I hadn't really thought about that. I don't have an opinion on that, but let me tell you what I do think about something else. Great. So, uh, even in the biggest, best-run companies in the world, this stuff exists. And I think it has to be, you know, almost like an intellectual machete that we keep out and, uh, you know, just hack away at that stuff all the time at that, that, that uh, creep in of all this stuff that stifles us of of, uh, spontaneity of, uh, you know, a really freewheeling thought and leads to that ultimate thing I you know, I have to manage what this person says because otherwise... You know, they're going to go a little bit left, a little bit right, and I think it all comes back to that whole thing about that, that fear of being in of admitting. Hey, that was an, I was inspired by that. That was great. That was different. I didn't know you'd talk about that. I didn't think we had an opinion on you. You know, whatever it might be. But and that I think, Christian, that 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 behavior. What if you have it, it gives off one aroma. If you don't have it, it gives off another. People smell that and they either love it or they want to say, I got to get the hell out of here. This is not for me. You know, I don't want to spend the next 10 years of my life being told what not to do. You know, just don't, can't do that. Can't do this. Can't do this. And you get narrow and narrow and you're, you know, you put on a treadmill and that's, that's an awful way to spend six months, let alone six years.
1: Are you suggesting in as you were started that uh, where you were uh, talking about the interview and, and all the canned questions are you suggesting that maybe free dialogue has taken a hit in our society lately is that what you're saying that would be uh, that would be I, novel I, um, because when you when you when you frame and box everything up i mean how how are you really uh, exploring how people think how are you really exploring how they people feel about it and without that exploration, then you're not near to radical transparency. Are, are we so dumb as to think that people can't sense that? Yeah. I mean, is that what we think? That like, oh, this, I mean, I, 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 I'm apolitical. i apolitical. I like unifying messages, which actually I'll get to in a second. But I mean, you can't can everything. It's got to be way more free flowing. And we have to allow uh, for the fact that, you know, that, people are going to make mistakes and they're going to misspeak. And when that doesn't make them bad, it doesn't make them wrong. And if you disagree with them, it doesn't make them evil. It just simply makes that you have a, a point of discussion, hence dialogue. It's amazingly powerful. And if it, if it, if that's getting eroded in our companies too, um, we would, would need to consider that. Yes. But there's a reason for this too. I mean, you know, how many, I mean, we can't have anybody go on any kind of medium without someone just completely lambasting somebody, you know, uh, for, you know, ambushing them, if you will, uh, if they don't like what you said. And then that over time creates more and more of these defensive mechanisms until I'm not going to talk to you until you give me all the questions you're going to ask. And then I give you all the typed, you know, words that I will speak and only speak those, uh, you know, and so there's a reason this has happened, but this is again, um, it, it, it's sad because we're we in a time now where we're more interested in tearing down than building up. And what do leaders do? Leaders lead and they lead for the betterment of not themselves, but the people around them. And so if, if to your point, leaders should be actually taking, in my opinion, more of a stance on this build up. And if people are going to you know, go after them, they just ignore the trolls, don't feed them, but still have the dialogue still give uh, and, and and expect respect, still act in a way that is uh, dignified uh, to the people that you're interacting with. These, these things can still be done and still then have really good free-flowing dialogue that then engenders trust because trust is the thing that matters the most in our organizations and we simply don't create the environments um, that foster it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Kristen, as we start to wind things up here may i ask you you know behind you to the right of your your tv there it, it looks like a couple of swords on the wall can you tell us about that
1: oh you would have to point that out because they're 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 askew a, a oh. looking in the i was
0: looking in my mirror and i went wait oh. a minute wait a minute Didn't you just say it's okay not to be perfect on these things we can't all be scripted and
1: all oh, right. well, fair enough. And, and I, I, I surely don't mind. Uh, that is actually, it's, uh, um, that's my officer sword, uh, Marine Corps officer sword. And uh, I just recently put it up. It had been in, uh, I just moved. And uh, I finally found it in all the boxes of 30 years of junk. And I got it on the wall and I can't, I got to do a little work to get it to sit just yeah. right. but uh, That's what that is.
0: And I just know over the uh, last handful of episodes, we have been talking about sort of what you're doing with the place. It seems to be coming together quite, quite nicely there.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, always working. I, you know, I look at every day as an opportunity to make something a little bit better. Every day, try and find two or three things to improve. And that, uh, interestingly, I'm not trying to just stick on it. But I think we should look at our organizations like that. Yeah. even in our relationships in our organizations how every day do i go in and think i'm going to make one or two or three things just better yeah. what if we all did
0: that yeah holy cow that would be amazing i think uh i think there'd be a lot less people whining about the what is it was it the resignation what's it called now i i've tried to great, res- great resignation great resignation yes well yeah. Christian, good stuff as always. It's it's a, always a treat. I'm going to say this out loud, and I'm going to say it proud. It's inspiring to speak with you, and I'm delighted to be inspired by that.
1: Well, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to be here, uh, and thank you for having me on Cloud Wars.
0: All right, Christian, you did say a couple things about a book, so respect your privacy on that. But anytime you wanted to say a little bit more about your book, when you're ready, <laughs> I'd love to hear about it.
1: Yeah, I got some more work to do. So All
0: thank right. You.
1: Thank you. Fair i enough. Really talk about it
0: in the future. Thank you. Fair enough. Hey, folks, and thanks to all of you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. Uh, Christian always has some interesting views on leadership and culture and direction. And I think this notion of, you know, let's get up and make one or two things better every day. It's a, it's a great way to get started. Hope you're experiencing that in your world. We'll see you next time.